Welcome to the Lead Me On podcast, where we give you practical solutions for extraordinary leadership. My name is Lori King-Taylor, and I'm here with my co-host, Lori Gorell. For more than 25 years, we've been educating and coaching individuals who want to transform the way they lead. Join us each week as we provide inspiring conversations to help you increase your capability to lead with greater impact and influence. Get ready. It's time to lead me on. Hello, Lori King-Taylor. Hello, Lori Gorell. How are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you very much. And how are you in Alabama today? No, it is so pretty today. It has been nasty, nasty weather. And today the sun is shining and the temperatures have warmed up a bit. So it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I love that. That reminds me, I have a a friend that used to say, Lori, you're always that positive person. The the sun is singing and the birds are shining. And so she'd always make fun of the, put a spin on the, the sun is shining thing for me. I always enjoyed that because that meant I, I was getting under her skin with my positivity a little bit. <laughs> well, you know what? It could be worse, right? <laughs> it really could. And I, I think she would agree. I think she would agree. I'd much rather have you get under my skin with your positivity than with your negativity. Skepticism. And it does creep in. Yes. So Today, I am excited about our guest that we have on our show, Liz Danziger. She is the president of WorkTalk Communications Consulting. And Liz is a seasoned written communications expert with over 30 years of experience. And she has a longstanding reputation for training people to become compelling, confident writers. And she is the author of four books. And she's also had appearances in several magazines, too. So, Liz started as a freelance writer and an editor and then launched Work Talk in 1987 because she wanted to work with people who were making the world work, which is the business people like we work with. Oh, I am so excited to hear what you have to say. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. So you're going to talk to us today about how managers can help their teams to write better. Absolutely. It's a little known fact is that organizations lose up to $400 billion a year due to poor business writing. And that might seem like a big number. I actually think that it's a, it's a, it's an underestimate because when you look at the lost sales that come from uh, sales teams, not writing clearly to their prospects and not making their offering clear, the customer service, the client loss, from customer service representatives not being clear, the productivity loss, the loss of branding. The costs are just enormous. And managers can play a crucial role in mitigating those costs and turning them around into benefits. Wow. You said 400 million? That's where I'm at, too. I'm like 400? Billion Billion with a B. Billion with a B. Billion with a B. Wow. Add up the cost of the lost sales. How much does it cost you when a when a client loses a sale? What is the lifetime value of that customer? How many person hours does it take to go back and forth with seven, eight, nine emails to clarify something that could have been done in one email if the person were clear? And you extrapolate that across the economy and you have a big number. 
Now I'm going back to my 15-year-old who complains he hates English. Why do I need to do this? I'm going to be an engineer. <laughs> All right. So I spent a lot of time training engineers, accountants, financial analysts, because people who are numbers people, generally, they choose their profession in the fervent hope that they will never have to write again. And then they get out into the real world and they discover that the only way they can sell their ideas or the only way they can prove their value to their company is through writing. And they realize that they really need this skill. Also, promotability. I have heard from so many managers and executives, people who write well get promoted and people who write poorly tend to stagnate. So why do you think managers struggle so much with the writing in their organizations? I think it's a couple of factors. One is that managers are not trained in how to assign a writing project effectively. So in the work talk business writing trainings, we talk about a tool called the three P's. The three P's are purpose, person, and point. And this, we could talk for an hour just about the three P's. But in terms of the managers, what it means is that when a manager assigns a writing project, he needs to tell the staff writer, are we just informing the reader or are we making a request of the reader? Or are we persuading the reader? Because what happens is that the staff writer will just make it up in their own head and say, well, I guess we're just informing them. But the manager thought, no, 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 we needed to persuade them. And they're never going to come. They'll never come to a meeting ground. They will rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. Also, the reader. Managers need to clarify for their staff writers who is who they're writing to and what is important to them. And of course, the main point, because how many of your listeners have had the experience of telling a staff person to write something and the person dutifully goes off and spends many hours on it and comes back proud and happy. And the manager reads it and says, oh, my gosh, that wasn't the point I wanted you to make. I'm sure that happens on a regular basis. And, you know, I say that a lot in, in my training is know your audience. And that's what you're saying there is Absolutely. when you're writing is to know your audience, know who it is that you're writing to. Very important. Very, very important. So how can managers get better results from their staff so that this isn't an issue? There are a couple of things they can do. One is to go through the three P's process with them when they assign it. Most writing problems happen before a person starts to write. That's when the really, really substantial issues come up is when a person doesn't think about their purpose. They don't think about the person. They don't think about the point. And if managers would just take two or three minutes when they assign it, don't say write a report to so-and-so about such and such but rather say, hey, I want you to write this. Here's the purpose. We're requesting. Here's what we're requesting. Here's what makes this person tick. And the main point is, you know, we want to have this amount of frozen vegetables to store in your warehouse by April 15th. So it is very important that they will just do the three-piece process when they assign it. And also they have to give their staff the tools very often the educational system has not prepared employees to write effectively. 
even if they went to college or graduate school, they were probably rewarded for writing long, verbose documents. And if they didn't go to college or graduate school, they may not have had the basic understanding of composition. So no matter what their academic background is, they're not trained in writing clear, simple, concise, to the point. And so that's where WorkChart comes in. I mean, we do writing training. And so we give staff people the skills. Those are two things is to do the three P's before and to make sure that whether it's me or someone else, it doesn't matter, but make sure that you give your staff the tools to succeed. You know, when I was in corporate, I don't think I ever had a manager tell me anything about the three P's when that needed to write a document. It was just the go and do this. I need you to write this. I had a manager one time and I don't think it wasn't discussed the three P's, but literally on my communication and mind you, I was early twenties, right out of college, maybe still in college. And I still have the example in my old portfolio stuff from that company. There's red marks of all over my business communication. How, and it was after it went out. So it was a, a, post grading of my business writing. Now I did learn and yet those red marks haunt me. I still think about my red marks. So how can managers dish up the feedback and, or the support to help them do it better from the get-go besides the three P's rather than getting the check marks? I hear you. I hear you. It's so funny that you mentioned the red ink. I actually give out when I do live trainings, I have uh, customized green pens. I Unfortunately, I bought a thousand of them before the pandemic started. So I don't know when I'll ever give them all away. But I do hand out green pens to all my participants because the idea is that when you edit in red, people think you're mad. I just hired a writing coach to help me with an article that I was writing And I mean, the person is extremely competent and has been the editor of a national magazine for years. And she sent me her comments and it was not only was it all in red, it was in all caps. So red, all caps. (laughs) You're bad. I'm screaming that you're bad. Well, this is really demoralizing, really demoralizing. So, I mean, you can change your markup color. You can actually do that. And do it in green or in purple or something that shows up, but isn't the red that we associate with mad teachers. And also when a lot of the issues also come in, in the revision process, because my experience in large organizations is that maybe there's an executive at the top who wants something written. And that person will feed their request down the food chain until it gets to some poor benighted staff writer who got whatever information they got, they will write it. And then it goes back up through the food chain. And each manager at each level feels that they have to make their mark. And one of the signs of a truly confident manager is that they're able to just look at a document and say, yeah, that's good. That's fine. I'll pass it up. They feel like they're not earning their salary unless they make a change. And so the revision process is also very, very important. I am so glad you mentioned that. I can't tell you how many people I have coached. And when we're talking about 
the people that they are leading and talking about, unless it is critical, allow something to go through. Unless something is going to break, blow up, defeat the company, let something go through. You're so wise because the thing is that in some of the organizations I train in, I train at all levels. I train the executives and I train the staff writers. And I hear the executives, oh, these people, they're, they're like, they're idiots. They're not doing it. They're not doing it. You know, and then the, the staff people are like, I killed myself to write this. And they tore it up. They changed it. They made it unrecognizable to what I wrote. And next time, I'm just not going to try. And that is where the organization, you know, you talk about organizational costs. It comes with disengagement. It comes with resentment and alienation all of which come from a flawed revision process. So how can managers actually then improve that document review process in their organizations? Well, one thing is, as I said, to to allow themselves to just say, yeah, this is good. Second is to educate themselves so that they know that they're not making it worse when they think it's making, they're making it better. And third, very important is not just to redline a document, but to call the person in and sit with them for 15 minutes or really however long it takes and compassionately, rationally go through the changes with them. Say, this is this, and this is why I changed this. This is why I changed that. This is the reasoning. Otherwise people just, they go through this process over and over. The manager says, oh, it's quicker for me to just fix it myself, right? Then they fix it themselves. The staff member never learns anything except that they shouldn't try next time. And the manager still ends up taking home the work on evenings and weekends because it's so terrible. It's just an unbelievable process. But if people would sit with their staff member and take invest that time up front, to go over it with them, then they wouldn't keep repeating the same mistakes. So speaking of mistakes, what in your experience are the biggest mistakes that business people make in their writing? Well, as Lori in Alabama said, the biggest mistake people make is not thinking about the person they're writing to. Absolutely. And they write, I mean, I've had, I train a lot of sales teams also. And I've had sales reps turn in and I get writing samples. It's like sending a blood test to the doctor. People send you writing samples before their training. Sales reps from multiple companies, they'll send me an email that says, I am glad to tell you that I am your new sales rep for your city. You know what I mean? Why should anyone care about that? So thinking of the reader and proofreading. And and doing it in such a way that it's all about the other person. So when we do a lot of communication training and we're talking a lot of verbal communication or networking, we talk about you make it about the other person, not about yourself. And that's kind of the same thing in writing. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely right. One of the things that when I'm helping someone get ready for a meeting or putting a presentation together, I have them ask themselves, what result do I want to produce? How does that fall into your three P's? Would that fall into purpose? That's into purpose. And if you analyze it, the three primary purposes of business documents are to inform, to request, and to persuade. 
you know, there's thank, acknowledge, warn, those are, they fall in there. But the three main categories are to inform, to request, and to persuade. And the issue, and I'm glad you mentioned that about result, because in the trainings, I have a whole slide that says, what result do I want to produce? If you want your reader to know something, you're informing. If you want them to do something, you're requesting. And if you want them to think or believe differently, you're persuading. Very different results, very different documents. And, and very different words, right? So 100%. I could see having, okay, if I'm, if I'm doing a persuading document, here are some words that I would want to use in that persuading document. You're so right. And in the trainings, it's a real eye-opener when people sit down to revise their own work. And they go back and they kind of retrofit the, the three P's and they realize, oh, I was, my purpose was to request. And then they go back over their document and they, they look at their document and it's like, oh, whoops, I didn't ask. So the three P's is, it's extremely powerful to go through that process before you start to write. Because you really, they're, the DNA is different. Inform, request, persuade. These are three different DNA types. I think is, those three writing points, those can be the same just for meeting preparation. Totally. How do I want to show up in this meeting and how do I want to be prepared to interact in this meeting? Those exact same things. Am I going to inform or persuade a request? Exactly. It also, even in personal life, I had an experience a few years ago I was thinking of saying something to one of our adult, my adult children. And I said to my husband, uh, you know, I'm thinking of saying this to our daughter and my husband, who's an engineer, he looks at me, he goes, so what are your three P's in this situation? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how our families <laughs> learn to speak our own language? And I, I, I said, well, I would still like my daughter to be speaking to me the day after that. And it's like, okay, I guess I won't be communicating this. <laughs> you know, that's funny. This plays such a big role. We, Lori and I talk a lot about emotional intelligence and right. emotional intelligence is to live out your intentions. To me, that's a, a definition I use a lot. So what are your intentions and how, how do you want that conversation to end? What's your intention for the conversation? And I think that that plays in here too Absolutely. with writing is to live out your intention. So if you're going to write something is, is to think of what that end result is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you and I are clearly on the same page in terms of uh, communication. I think we're all on the same page here because I mean, why would you do it if you didn't want to produce some change in the world. I mean, it, uh, okay, you can write a memo to file. Accountants do that memo to file. It's like, <laughs> so the concept is so funny to me, like to no one, to nowhere, but why but do usually, it? Like an accountant, the memo to file, right? Their intention there is to clarify whatever it is, you know, they're making a note about so that in the future, when right. somebody reading it so there will be somebody reading it right, right. So hopefully hopefully it's or it may just be a kind of a or the auditors reading it right <laughs> hopefully right. not <laughs> somebody someday may read it no it, it matters what we're trying to what we're trying to achieve this is 
rich. And I, you're right. We probably could go on for quite a long time talking about the three Ps. And I'm thinking how emotional intelligence plays into this to keep going on with the Lori King Taylor's version, because I think we have to be very self-aware when we're writing and say, where are we coming from? What's my state of mind as I'm writing this? Right. right. There is so much that can go into our business writing. And Liz, I know that I benefit greatly from your vitamins, your your newsletter that you sent out. And for me, that helps me to, to catch myself so that you stay in front of me with some of these tips. I find very useful on an ongoing basis. So I'm thank you. you. Enjoy yeah. I thank you for that contribution. And we'll make sure we put um, links to how to reach you. Maybe you give me a link for how people can sign up for vitamins and any books that you want us to list that people can find you that way. And Lori King Taylor, are we ready for practical solutions for extraordinary leadership? I believe we are. And the very first solution that I have is that we really need to encourage writers to think of their reader before they start to write. Yes. And I would say number two is assign writing projects clearly and edit them compassionately in parents, maybe not in red ink. (laughs) Maybe to it. I like, I like Liz's green ink pen because that red pen just gets the defensive going. Green is far more compassionate. (laughs) And it's also the color of money, right? So And the third one would be to remember that business writing is a core competency. And if you're not really good at writing, it's okay. It is something that can be taught. So glad. And like I said, Liz's vitamins really helped me to do that because I'm always brushing up on it. So Liz, how can our listeners reach you? They can go to my website, which is worktalk.com, work and talk, worktalk.com. Or they can find me on LinkedIn under Elizabeth Danziger. Those are the two best ways. Or my email address is lizd at worktalk.com. And people can feel free to use me as a resource if they're just stuck on a sentence or stuck on a question. I'm always glad to hear from individuals about their writing challenges. Excellent. Well, Liz, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned a lot. I think I'm going to be keeping the three P's in front of me as I work on my writing. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And Lori King-Taylor, until next time. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, we would so appreciate a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. If you're interested in knowing more about our upcoming events or working with one of us personally to transform the way you lead, visit our websites. For Lori King-Taylor, visit trinityperformancesolutions.com. And for Lori Gorell, visit upwardsolutionscc.com. Until next week.